Can we be here now? And can it be okay? So I thought to myself, well, how did it all start? How did this all start? And I came to the conclusion it started when we were born. That's always the beginning. And we were born and we were interconnected and interdependent and we were the universe and the universe turned out to be us. And then a remarkable thing happened. Mom showed up. Now mom had been there the whole time, but we were connected to her in a very special way. And now we're a little separate from her. She has hands. If we could have thought at that point, I wonder where the hand came from. She had a face. She had a soothing voice. How wonderful. But we started to become separate at that moment because we are blessed with having an ego. And the ego needs to be separate from everything else so it can utilize it. It can manipulate it. It can use it to its advantage. So mom helped us say our first words. We learned how to walk so we could walk away and be separate. But mom kept chasing, chasing after us. No, it's too early to be separate. You still gotta be with us. And then kindergarten. Oh, how I hated that. She drove me to this brick building in Iowa. And there were glass doors, and she said, I'm going to take you through the glass doors, and you have to stay here. I said, Mom, I don't want to stay here. I want to be with you. She said, no, I'm sorry. You have to go to school. And I said, why? And she didn't have an answer. She said, because everybody goes to school. No, I don't want to go to school. I want to be with you. I'm sorry, you have to go to school. So I'm being socialized now, and I'm learning to count, and I'm learning how to read. And the smartest people in kindergarten could already read simple books. And I'm looking at the page, and all I see are lines. How can lines turn out to be something you can think about? and speak and understand. And as I continued to go to kindergarten, all of a sudden the lines became words. What a remarkable event that was. And then I had to learn grammar. How terrible was that? Man. And then we got into counting. Counting from one to 10 and 10 to one. What are we counting? We're not counting anything, we're just counting because it's important to count. I'm going, really? Okay. Then I go to grade school, and we have another form of socialization. Now I have to interact with all these people that I've never met before on a daily basis, and some are like seventh graders. They're so mature. They know so much. They're very worldly. As a second grader, I was just in this fog. What does this all mean? You don't need to worry about it. You just got to go to school. Okay. 
I kept going to school. Then I got into high school, and how complicated was that? I went from like 500 people in grade school to like 2,000 in high school. And they were doing all sorts of things. There was athletics, and there was political things, and there was girls. <laughs> Man, girls. High school girls, wow. And they had little dresses on, and they had long hair, and they always smelled good. And I'm going, wow, what does that mean? Don't worry about that, just go to school. Your job is to go to school, you need to learn. So I kept learning. And what I came to understand with all my learning is I became more and more separate from the world around me. Every time I learned a new word or a sentence or had a concept, it made me separate from that. And I was able to count things that were unrelated, like cantaloupes and apples, at the same time. And they came to the same total. And how could that be? Because this is abstract thinking. This is making me more and more separate. I'm starting to think now on my own. I'm starting to understand the world as I have been taught, as I have been conditioned. I was no longer interconnected and interdependent. And it was a little <clears throat> scary because there's no place to go. You always have to be alone. Now, when we meditate at our meditation center, we meditate alone together. And that's sort of what life turned out to be. We were living alone together. But it was rare to have that same connection that you had with mom when you just came on earth and started to live. Okay, so we're doing this, we're separate, now we go and get a job and we get an apartment and we have a car and then we're separate in the car and we're separate in the apartment, unless you found that girl. And then you had somebody in the car with you and you had somebody in the apartment with you and you had somebody to talk to and they talked to you and you started to see that maybe everybody has their own way of doing things and looking at things and it is really hard to be connected for any length of time with all those people because they're so different from you. And you've come to understand that you're always right. <laughs> and sometimes you let people argue and sometimes you let people be wrong just because it's easier on you. You don't have to defend your position or define yourself in any specific way. You just listen as they argue and pick sides and understand the truth. And oh, the truth. That's such a powerful word. And in Buddhism, we have two kinds. We have relative truth. 65 miles an hour is relative truth. And then we have ultimate truth. Whoa, that is so cool. But it doesn't translate well into a relative reality because it's too far out. Okay, so now we have the pandemic. And now they say to us, all the businesses will be closed except the essential businesses, like liquor stores. Okay. <laughs> That's important. 
And now you're going to be quarantined to your house or apartment or condo or room. You are going to be separate now because being separate is being safe. And we want you to be safe. Okay, I understand. And you have to be six feet apart. You have to be separate because that keeps you alive. I got it. And you got to wear this mask so people won't recognize you. And you'll be separate. And they won't know who they're separate from. Whoa, cool. I can be separate. I can go to the bank with a mask and ask for money. And they won't arrest me. Is that fun or what? So now we've been doing this for a month or so, and we've been separate for such a long time. And we're now a little scared. We're a little fearful. Because our intellect allowed us to have past and future. And we could sort of predict the future by reflecting on the past. But we've come to a place in our life that was never in our past in this way. They say the 1918 flu epidemic. Yeah, they all wore masks. Yeah, didn't do social distance, no. A lot of people died, yeah, okay. But we can't use that as our model because it doesn't apply to 2020. This is the first time this has ever happened and people are freaking out because they don't know what tomorrow is going to be like or next week or next month or next year. How could it possibly be like this in 2020? We have computers. We should be able to know what's going to happen. Yeah, maybe. But how do you live with that? How do you live without being able to predict what you're going to do tomorrow? Well, I was talking to Reverend Bonnie a little earlier, and we said, you know, having pets is a good example because they don't know what they're going to do tomorrow. They're only concerned about food and sleep and a pet once in a while. You know, and that's, that's, that's their life. And they're fine. You know, a lot of dogs and cats and squirrels and birds don't know what a pandemic is. And they never will. But we have concepts and we're separate from it. And we don't want to be the pandemic. But you know what? The Buddha said one of the reasons we suffer is because we are separate. One of the reasons we suffer is because we're not connected any longer in a wholesome, healthy way. We are deluded. We are ignorant. We see things as being important as long as we're not them, because if we're not them, we can use them. When I got out of my car today, I realized I was getting out of a car. And I had driven, and I had paid attention to all the rules and regulations. And all that stuff turns out to be one big concept that defined me on the way to Ventura. 
But what would happen if I said to myself, I'm going to get rid of all my concepts. I will not use concepts any longer. And I'd go out the door, and I'd look at this form, and this color, and the sound, and the smell. I couldn't drive it. I couldn't even get in it. Because it wasn't defined for me in a way that I could use it. I was having sense door impressions of what a car really is. It's form, sound, smell, taste, touch. Those are our sense doors. That information comes in and we turn it into a concept and our life. That's our life. What we think is our life in the most important way. But it doesn't work anymore. We're stuck now. We can't have a life like that anymore because we don't know. We don't know. I said earlier, you know, only the wise people don't know, but they don't know why they don't know. They don't know. You ask them a question, their answer is, don't know. All those Zen guys, they don't know anything. And they have such deep insight into the true nature of reality. And we have lost that. So what are we going to do? How are we going to live today? Oh, Rondas, one of my one of my heroes would always say, be here now, be here now. This is it. This is all we have to work with. You need to learn how to work with the now. And you need to understand that past and future is just a mental construct. It never happens. There is no future. I know that sounds terrible, but you know what? Because of the pandemic, we can all say that, and it's true. There is no future. We don't know. So you're going to go to the grocery store, and you're going to write a list of what you're going to pick up, because now you're getting old, and you can't remember everything, and you don't want to go back twice. So you sit at your desk, and you write your list of what you're going to buy at the grocery store, and you go to the grocery store, and you look at your list, and you pick up everything, which is now much more expensive, because grocery stores are very important, and you're going to pay for that. And you get back, and you say, you know, I don't know if I was in the now the whole time. But you have to think this way. You have to think, okay, I'm going to sit down and write the list, and it is happening now. And then I'm going to drive to the store, and this drive is happening now. And then I get into the store, and that's now too. And I get back with all my groceries, and that's now again. And all these little nows make the one big now. And you go, wow, now, man, yeah. So I only use the future to make the now easier. Easier to know what I'll do in the next now. Okay, so you didn't forget the asparagus because you were here now. Fantastic. Can you apply that to life? to your day today, to Sunday? Can you have a now, right now, and this is all you're ever gonna have the rest of your life? Would you be okay with that? 
Most people wouldn't. I heard earlier, some people are going to go to college. You just don't want now. It doesn't have enough. It doesn't have enough. You need to have a future so you can have more in your now than you have now. Okay. So you're planning and visualizing all the things that are going to happen when you finally go through that front door of the university. And it will not be anything like that at all because it's just fantasy and mind and thinking, thinking. And then finally, when your sense doors experience the front door of the university, you'll go, wow, now I'm here. This is it. And I've got four years to go. Four years. What is, does that mean to have four years? You know, now I'm old now. I'm like 71. So I qualify as being old. And I remember talking to my grandmother about aging. And she said, one of the worst parts about aging is that all your friends are dead. And I go, Grandma, really? Is that how you look at it? And she says, not only that, but you don't have a future. You don't plan vacations a year from now because you may not be here. And I thought to myself, man, everybody in the world now got old because they don't have a future anymore. They're not planning vacations next year. They don't know what that means anymore. And all the cruise ships are closed. Disneyland might open up again, but it's masks and social distance, even on the rides. Man, how are they going to do that? I don't know. So we don't have a future, and here we are, and is this enough? Is this enough? And most people would say, no. But a lot of people who meditate and are spiritually inclined would say, absolutely. Most of the time, this is more than I can handle. Because there's so much to experience. And if you go from thinking to experience, it's so real that you become involved in the interconnectedness of all phenomena. You are now part of the whole again. You are part of the unity. And what happens when you're part of the unity? You feel calm. You feel peaceful. There's no reason to be paranoid about the future or have great fear about the future because right now, it is perfect. Now, if you're in a burning building, it's probably good to leave. But if you look around at this beautiful church, what a great place to experience now. This is perfect. The colors, the light through the windows, Man, can we keep this now forever? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We have impermanence. Everything is always changing. Don't get too attached because the now will be another one before you know it. 
No, no, I don't want to let go. This is perfect. This is, this is how I want it to be. Who's the I talking about how they want it to be? Where did that keep coming from? Oh, it came from school and social conditioning and peer groups and work and play. All those things reinforce, reinforce this I that says, I want it to be like this forever. Oh man, more suffering now, more suffering. I thought I was over my suffering because I became one with everything, but no, no, no. Everything is always changing and it's always the first time. You mean everything is always the first time? I thought I've been here before. You have not been here when it's been like this. It's never like this. It's only like this right now, and next week will be different, and the following week will be different, and don't get attached, because every time you won't let go, you're going to suffer and really be uncomfortable. So what do you need to do? You need to practice doing nothing. Man, how easy it is to do nothing. Somebody said, well, that's what you did yesterday. You did nothing. And they say, but I wasn't finished. I want to do nothing again today. And people are inviting me to do things that I'm going, no, I don't really want to. And then they want me to Zoom. And I tell you, I'm on the internet a lot. And I'm posting a lot. And I look at my screen a lot. And I don't want to talk to a screen. I told them, I can't give a talk on a screen. I need to see people. Even if there's only 10 people, I need to see people. I need to have interaction. I need to have feedback. I need to feel connected. I need to feel connected. And I don't feel connected on Zoom. And if you look at those people's eyes, they're not looking at you. You know? <laughs> they're just looking at all sorts of stuff, but not you. Going, Man, it is so weird. And then they do their own makeup, and it looks terrible. And, and then you wonder why they're so close to the screen, because their nose is twice as big than it's supposed to be. And he's going, wow, I'm not doing Zoom, you know? <laughs> so how can we deal with this? Well, I would suggest the prayer of quiet, also known as meditation, to sit down and sort of let stuff go for a while. 15 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning, just let stuff go. All the things you had planned for that day, just let it go. And watch what happens. And what happens is the mind starts to still. It starts being comfortable where it is and not where it wants to be. And you start to see that, you know, it feels pretty good just to sit quietly and just let all the stuff drift through you like a pane of glass. Just let it go. There's nothing to hold on to. None of those thoughts are that important. And if it is an important thought, it'll come back a thousand times. So just let it go. See what it's like. How does your breath feel? Bring your attention to the tip of your nose and feel the breath going out and coming in, out and coming in. How does that feel? Because what's happening when you do that, that always happens right now. That sensation can't happen tomorrow. It can't happen yesterday. That sensation of breath only happens while you're breathing right now.
How does it feel? Could that be the doorway? Could that be the portal to your present moment experience? Could that be what you need to go through to be here now? To be complete, not separate. To be interconnected, not separate. To be interdependent, not separate. And when you get used to that, you start to look at yourself in a much different way. That that ego and that self that has directed you through your whole life is a terrible master because it's only thinking about itself. But it's the best tool we could ever have because it allows us to live and stay alive in a very complicated environment that without that, it wouldn't work. So when I asked mom why I had to go to school, she would have profoundly said, if she had, because you need to stay alive. I didn't have you so you would die by the time you went to high school. I had you so I could say one day to you, you have to leave now. <laughs> you gotta go. You can't stay with us. You have to have a life. And I had you so I could let you go. And I took you to school so I could let you go. Sometimes they come back, but only for a visit, because now they have a life because you gave it to them. You made them separate. And hopefully they found a religious tradition that allowed them to become whole again. So I'm gonna stop there. I think that's a good place to stop. But enjoy your day. It's the only day you got.